Hey, Kevin Draves here with The Howl for Diamond Box Bluetooth Speakers. I got to tell you, I play basketball at the gym down the road for me all the time. And sometimes I go late at night. I bring my Diamond Box. And now they're introducing three new systems. The new L2, XL2, and M2 all feature stereo sound by themselves or split stereo sound with wireless syncing of two units for a live sound experience. Loud enough for any environment. And I kid you not, you could play this at low volume and you'll hear it in any room of your house. This is the most powerful Bluetooth boombox speaker on the market today. Check them out on Twitter at Diamond Box Co. That's box with two X's, Diamond Box Co. Tonight, you folks at home and we here in the Coliseum will watch history in the making. The first game ever for the Minnesota Timberwolves. From the den, this is The Howl. We would like to welcome you to the Nothing But Net channel here on Dash Radio. Nothing But Net is a channel like no other featuring all teams and all topics on everybody's favorite sport, basketball. The Howl is also a proud member of CLNS Media Network and can be found on clnsmedia.com as well as Podient, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. The Howl is also produced with thanks to our wonderful supporting partners, Rhyme Sayers Entertainment, the pinnacle of underground hip-hop worldwide, Studio 23, where passion reigns supreme, and Isabel Street Heat, adding a bit of spice into your everyday life. All audio equipment on The Howl is brought to you by Rode Microphones, studio quality with easy accessibility since 1967. All right, so jumping into the next game on the slate for the review segment, we do have the Celtics versus the Timberwolves. This took place on Saturday night here in Minnesota at the Target Center, of course. This is a game we jumped into now. Obviously, the, the 2K simulation that we did had the Wolves winning this one by about 10 and it ended up uh, being a little bit different story than we had hoped. So starting out this game, Marcus Smart actually started for the Celtics. Now, that's not something that does happen every single game. It's kind of been a little bit of a mixed bag as far as rotations are concerned. Uh, they've switched up quite a bit, trying to find a really good combination. So far this season, when Marcus Smart has started for the Celtics, 
it has gone in uh, pretty well for them. So it's kind of an interesting deal there. Early on in this one, you're able to see the Wolves. They seem a bit slow and maybe not as crisp as they have been ever since the trade. And Boston, really fantastic passing. And part of the problem you run into there is because of that quick passing, the Wolves are not able to get out two three-point shooters, which has definitely been a little bit of a struggle. Early on, one thing we have also seen is that Andrew Wiggins has definitely started to revert back a little bit the last few games to some of those mid-range shots. And I don't care who you are, nobody wants Andrew Wiggins taking mid-range jump shots. It ends up hurting the team quite a bit. If he could consistently make them, even then, I you just don't want that to be the shot that you go to in your repertoire. You know, Part of the reason that Wiggins does that, he's so athletic, it's a lot easier for him to get those shots off than a standard person, which ends up actually probably being a detriment because for some of the shorter players or less athletic players, you don't have them taking shots like that. And Andrew Wiggins, unfortunately, relies a little too much on his athleticism to try to make up the difference. If he would just step back, take more three-pointers, drive the lane more, get to the hoop. Those are things that could definitely help us out quite a bit. Towns is one of only five players, uh, makes a three in this one, and makes him one of only five players to make a three in every game that the team has played. So a very impressive stat for Carl Towns, who is chasing Corey Brewer, who has the record of, I believe it's 32 or 33 games in a row, where he's been able to make a three-pointer. So Towns definitely has that to aim for. One thing you look at, as far as the when the Jimmy Butler trade went down, you kind of look, see a difference in styles as far as Butler versus Covington is concerned. Now, between the two, when I say styles, not necessarily play styles because they're both you know really solid, obviously, two-way players. The big difference you run into, number one, is that Covington on the surface, he is a much better three-point shooter, although Jimmy has definitely uh, started to you know get better in that area. But uh, the one thing that you do notice as far as the differences is as leaders, and obviously Covington has been able to stress the importance of things in a, a better manner than you got from Jimmy Butler. I think Jimmy Butler was a lot more abrasive, and I think that's part of the reason why the message was lost in translation in a little bit. So that's what's great about Robert Covington is we've seen what he's been able to do early on and how he's been able to take that team to the next level. A lot of that is going to be chemistry, which... Again, we talked about how after games, Carl Towns and him will go out to dinner. Things, Little things like that can make such a big difference. And so I think it's really important going forward to really understand just what a difference Robert Cummington has been to the success of this team. And it starts, I think, and stops with just the way he handles himself on and off the court, especially in interactions with the rest of the squad. One thing in this game, again, and this has been a, an ongoing issue, Jeff Teague. I don't know what it is, but he just is an out. He's a very out of control player at times. Continues to have this issue where he wants to just dribble out the clock. I really liked when we got rid of the last player that did that for us, which was JJ Barea. That was a huge issue when he was here. So someone's got to get that into his head. Like Jeff Teague needs to understand we got to move the ball. You know, we got to push the pace, less dribbling, more passing. But again, you know, there's there's obviously something to like about the, what Jeff Teague is doing currently because he has really taken that next step on the defensive end. So if he can continue that, that's going to be a huge difference. So again, it's it's a little bit of adjusting. I'll take the good with the bad at this point if we're going to continue to win games. But when we lose games like this one, then you start to notice the flaws in the Timberwolves a lot more than you do in the games where they have that success, uh, you know, despite the flaws. By the way, while we're going through this, just like we did with the last review, 
We are going to be simulating in the background on 2K19. I'm watching the Wolves take on their next opponent, the Houston Rockets. Early on in this one, it is 2-0. The Timberwolves are winning up against the Rockets. Going into this game, very similar records, by the way, as the Rockets are 11-11 and the Wolves are 11-12. Moving on here. One thing you notice in games recently is I've noticed Thibs calling and yelling for travels quite a bit. And I actually will say he's not wrong. It seems like in many instances, Tom Thibodeau is 100% correct on travels. A lot of guys are doing that thing where you go to drive to the hoop, and this is when we're watching other teams. So specifically in this Celtics game, you'll see guys that are going to, they've made the decision to drive, and the first thing they do is kind of jump or kind of make a kind of a move where both their feet shift a little bit. That's a travel. And that's one thing that's not called all that much because that, that, that's really, I think that's really been an issue uh, for the Wolves is getting a lot of travel calls. And it'd be nice to see that called consistently on both teams depending on uh, you know, what's happening in the game. I just want consistency as we've talked about in the past. And traveling calls I think is going to be a big area where consistency really would help the, the Wolves quite a bit. The Wolves are currently up 6-3. to three. 3.30 left in the first quarter in the simulation in the background here. Moving on, November. Taking a look specifically at November for the Timberwolves. Uh, take a look at these statistics. We are 7-9 and nine in the last nine games during November. Opponents' points per game, 99.3. We are a plus 9.6. Uh, 35.2 defensive rebounds per game and 41 opponent paint points. So all of those stats are trending in the right direction. Hopefully they can continue that. If you're looking at that as well, since November 12th, we have the fourth best win percentage in the league and second best in the West specifically. So again, Wolves are trending in the right direction. Hopefully this game, as we're getting more into it, hopefully this game is more of an anomaly in terms of the outcome and just some of the the flaws that that we're we're able to see uh, in this game against the Celtics. One thing I've noticed, and this was a problem last year too, and it's been a pretty consistent problem under Tom Thibodeau's regime. Now, they've gotten a lot better this year, but it's still something I noticed quite a bit is guys leaving their feet on jump shots as far as the defensive end is concerned. So it'd be nice to see the Wolves not have this be a problem. For example, if, if a guy's open for three, and now we saw that quite a bit in this game just because players didn't seem to be progressing or moving out to open jump shooters as well as we normally do. We were switching, and we were, were helping on defense, but it just seemed like the Celtics were so efficient at passing, the Wolves just didn't have that next level of defense that they've had currently, or they've had more recently. And so that's one thing I'd like to see. If you're going to close out on a jump shooter, close out on him and then get in the defensive stance. Don't fly by, you know, don't get to the guy and jump and fly by him. And here he is, oh, I just put a fake up, and now I'm just going to go in and, and drive to the hoop and get an easy two points. Or I'm going to fake it and then just move to the left and take a three-pointer. So there's lots of reasons why you don't want to be leaving your feet on jump shots. That is one area I think the Wolves need to uh, be more consistent at. They have been for the most part this season, but games like this when you lose, those are the little things that you start to notice, and you want to take those uh, out of the equation. Uh, Speaking of the bench, we'll move on to that. Derrick Rose, again, has been absolutely fantastic. For anyone that doesn't follow Bill Simmons, he – sent out a tweet today where he mentioned Derrick Rose and how what he's been able to do this season is just unprecedented. We've just really never seen a player that can go from being not just injured, but like bad. Like when he was playing the last few seasons, I mean, he had been a bad player. And for him to not only become 
such a good player, but to improve like he has from the three-point line is basically unheard of uh, this late in his career. So, so it's really, really impressive. And on top of that, what's really impressive about Derrick Rose is how much he has just embraced his role. There's a lot of guys that when they get moved to the bench, I feel like you, you know it's a lot of teeth pulling. They're really struggling. They, they're upset about it. You know, we've, we had seen that for a while with Gorgie Jang, for example, who really struggled off the bench. Not that he was being negative necessarily, but maybe the production wasn't there. Or in some cases with some players, it is a negative and you see them getting upset. But he's fully embraced it, so much so that his goal is to be the best bench guy out there. So he's looking to be your sixth man of the year. We talked about this before, but I, not only sixth man of the year, I think is very attainable and probably very well-deserved. But for my money, even though he's... Uh, an older player, I do think the other thing that he has earned is he has earned the most improved player as well. And that goes back to, like we talked about, that Bill Simmons tweet about just how unprecedented this type of turnaround is. And for for being that crazy to think about, to me, that's the guy that should win that award if he continues to put this up for the rest of the season. So first quarter ends, and this is not great. How about this stat for the Wolves? Only two assists for the Wolves in this Celtics game in the first quarter. Despite that, we were able to keep it pretty close. But early on, you were definitely able to see this is a Wolves team that struggled more so than they had in recent games or in recent weeks since that trade. So hopefully this is more of an aberration. And this isn't something that's going to you know continue uh, going forward. Uh, taking a look at uh, Darius Saric. Saric has been amazing since we got him. He is, and the one thing that they really highlighted in this one is how good he is at making seals. There were two plays specifically, and if you have not watched the game, if you can go back and watch it, you definitely should. But Jim Peterson highlighted this quite a bit, just how impressive uh, Sarge is at sealing. And if you're able to seal in the low post and just gives you that uh, that extra advantage, if a guy can get you that pass, generally what's going to happen is if you're sealing, you're in between your your player and the basket. So, and this is on the offensive end. So it's you're almost in a a situation where, like, if you're on the defensive end, you're boxing out. It's almost like a box out, so to speak, where you're trying to really close off that defender from getting between you and the basket, and it's giving you a chance to get that basketball and then have an open look. And there were two specific plays that happened in the first half where he was able to do this in such an impressive fashion. And if he can continue to do that, I think the sky's the limit, not only for him, but for the Timberwolves as well. One thing you'll listen for, or I, I, I will tell you to listen for in games, is when you have uh, – so Andy Greer is one of our coaches, and he will scream, green, green. And when we're on offense, when he's yelling green, what that means, and they touched on this a little bit in the game, is that under seven on the shot clock. So when you hear him yell green, that's the signal to the team, like, hey, guys, if you haven't seen it yet, we're running low on shot clock. you got to get things done. Uh, in past games, one thing we've noticed is that that ends up being a, a chance for players to last second throw the ball to Andrew Wiggins and hope for the best, which we did not see that in this game. But one of those specific possessions where we did hear the, the green yell was one of the Sharich seals that he made and it ended up being a nice basket. So I, what I like is that there's a way and there's like a code phrase that's able to signify to the Wolves that they really got to be aware of the situation that they're in. So that's a cool thing to watch for if you haven't watched for it already. One thing that's really uh, caught my eye this season is uh, Derrick Rose uh, and his speed burst layups. Not only that, but the quickness that he's able to get to the hoop. And when you combine that with the crossover, it has been such a deadly move for Derrick Rose. And it's part of the reason why he's been able to have this success. 
and it tells you just how much how, how hard he has worked to really get back to 100%, and you're seeing that on the court. A player that, for the first time in a long time, is fully healthy, and I think that's part of the reason why you're able to see other areas of his game improve, because in the offseason, he was able to focus on improving as opposed to focus on getting healthy. Makes a huge difference. Uh, a not-so-good stat coming into this game that does become apparent as there were multiple instances where we were down double digits against the Celtics. The Wolves are one of only three teams to not win a game when being down double digits. And the other two teams are the Cavaliers. And off the top of my head, I can't think of what the other team is. But let's just say it's bad company to be in. It's not the kind of uh, stat you want to be locked into. You want to be able to prove that you're able to win games even when down. Now, part of what we've been really fortunate about is ever since the trade, our defense has been fantastic and our offense has been fantastic and fairly efficient. And what what that makes a big difference is you're not really down in games, or if you are, you're not down by a lot. And so we really have to find a way to be able to work ourselves back from when we are struggling a bit uh, on either of those ends. What... Addition to, in addition to this, rebounding has been a struggle all season. Now, we've slowly improved that a little bit since the trade, but we still have a long ways to go. Rebounding has to be better. With a team like this, you got Taj Gibson, you've got Carl Towns, you've got Gorgie Jang. You've got players that can rebound their position like Robert Covington, Derek Rose. You see him really fighting for rebounds. But here's a, here's a stat that should make you cringe just a little bit, and that's so Kyrie Irving actually averages more rebounds per game than Andrew Wiggins does let that let that just sink in a little bit that's a terrible stat to hear I mean I mean that really tells you a lot about Andrew Wiggins tells you a little bit about Kyrie Irving too in terms of his effort as a smaller player obviously as a point guard but that's that's the kind of thing you need to change no excuse for that but as a team as a whole we definitely need to work on uh, our rebounding and I think that once we start to rebound at a higher level I think we're going to see them take it to the next step we talked about they were seven and two coming into this game over their last nine games think about if we were rebounding better and how much of a difference that could make whether it's offensive whether it's defensively and making sure that teams don't get second chance points there's so many reasons why rebounding is important and that's definitely something to keep an eye on uh, going forward to the rest of the season in on our simulation against the Rockets, it is three minutes left in the second quarter. Wolves are up 22 to 15, so definitely a good start, much better start in this game, although we did end up winning in that Celtics game too, so the simulation isn't exactly 100%, but I'd rather have them win in the simulation than lose, obviously. At least it's a maybe a good omen or a good precursor, you hope, for this game as we um, jump into um, you know this next Rockets game. Moving on to some other points, how about Marcus Morris in this one? Absolutely fantastic for the Celtics. Anytime you left him open, he just doesn't miss. And it always seemed like he hit a three-pointer at just the right time. So we'd get a little bit of momentum, and all of a sudden, Marcus Morris, boom, hits a three, and that's all she wrote. All of a sudden, you're thinking to yourself, well, we had all this momentum, and it's just gone. And so that was definitely an issue for the Timberwolves in this one. When he was left open, didn't miss, and we definitely struggle with open three-pointer shooters in this one. Too many times where we had issues with guys not being able to close out quick enough, and the Celtics were able to get wide-open jumpers. With 3.57 to go in this one, Towns had just four shot attempts uh, in the first half, that is. That's unacceptable for a player as good as Towns is. Uh, in addition to that, Robert Covington hadn't shot the ball very much. Jim Peterson made a huge point about how you need to get both those players the basketball more in terms of getting shots. Towns and Covington are two of your most important players offensively and defensively, but offensively specifically, those two should be taking 
the bulk of your shots, I would say, as far as the starting unit is concerned, and that just was not the case here. Too many missed open shots was also a struggle here in this first half, whereas the Celtics, we talk about, when they're open, they do not miss. And there were a lot of guys, whether it was Robert Covington, whether it was Carl Anthony Towns, players just really struggled for whatever reason at hitting open shots. And that's got to change. If you're open for three, you have to hit that. Now, are you going to hit it every single time? No. But there were too many missed shots that should have been made, whether it's layups, whether it's three-pointers, and that really made a difference. On top of that, how about, speaking of misses, the free-throw line. Taj Gibson starts off 0-4 from the free-throw line. And in a game this close, every single point makes a huge difference. And all of a sudden, if you're talking an additional four points going into halftime, you're talking about a completely different game for the Timberwolves. So that's going to be something to watch forward to. Now, normally, I feel like Taj Gibson is pretty reliable at the, the free-throw line. Not you know the top guy on the team by any means or the top guy in the league, but fairly reliable. And hopefully he can right that ship. Although I have seen in the the last few games Gibson uh, getting a little more frustrated it seems like on the court so we're gonna have to watch that storyline going forward Dave Benz I think said this best when talking about this game he said the Wolves did not seem to have as much life in this one as they had in previous games and I would definitely agree with this sentiment I definitely thought we looked at a Wolves team I don't know if they were tired I don't know what the what the issue was especially given the Celtics were on the second game of a back-to-back or I mean, that's, that's important when you're t- playing those teams to keep up the energy because, you know, you had that rest and they didn't. And I really felt like the Celtics were definitely the more energized team. No excuse for that. Not when the other team, number one, is in the second game of back-to-back, but number two, it's a home game for you. So there's no excuse for not having that energy that's required to beat one of the top teams in the league. End of the f- first half there was a really bad play. Andrew Wiggins, we're on kind of a fast break. He jumps, turns, and throws this weird pass, goes right to the opposing team, right to the Celtics. And, and, and Jim Peterson had some sort of a line like, what was that? And, and he, you know what? He wasn't wrong. It was, it was awful. Now, Wiggins has been better as of late, I think, with, with trying to get passes and trying to rebound the basketball and doing those active things. But, oof, sometimes I feel like when, when Wiggins makes a mistake, he really makes a mistake. Although, how about this? In the simulation, Wiggins just hits a big three with under a minute to go to give the Wolves a 25-18 to 18 lead. So hopefully that's a precursor, precursor of things to come in this next game against the Rockets, who, again, we're beating 25-18 with about 30 seconds to go in this simulated game. Talking at the halftime, they always go to one of the coaches in this one, and, and this week was no different. Uh, Ryan Saunders talked about rotating on defense and turnovers creating fast break points. So at halftime, Wolves had zero fast break points. And a big part of that was, of course, as he mentioned, creating turnovers. And with the defense struggling a bit to be able to close out and maybe not being as aggressive or having that energy made a big difference. And it's part of the reason why we're losing in this game at this point. And the nice thing is Ryan Saunders, such a good coach, is able to notice these issues and hopefully they look to correct them in the second half. Throughout this game, one thing I've noticed, actually throughout this season, the Wolves, when they miss shots, it's twofold. The first reason, it seems like a lot of it is going to be rushing. Guys will rush shots. I've seen this with Towns quite a bit at the three-point line or Wiggins sometimes at the, the long two, his favorite shot. But you'll notice that guys kind of rush shots. When they do that, they're using too much arm and not enough leg to compensate. Anyone that knows how to shoot a jump shot properly 
what's required of you is you want to be going bending at the knees, going down, and then going up, whether it's free throws, whether it's three-point shots, whether it's whatever. Jump shots require you to do that. And what happens is when you try to use too much arm and not enough leg, you tend to be short or you tend to be less accurate. And so it's, it's key for the Wolves not to rush shots and to be a little more consistent with their form, and then we're going to see the benefits there going forward. So again, in, in games like this where you lose, you notice these things a lot more so than you would in games you win. It's very similar to when you're losing games, it seems like anytime there's a bad call, you're angry at the officials, um, which the reason why I touch on that in this instance is because I actually thought the officials did a very good job in this game. There were a couple close calls where, you know, Dave Benz or Jim Pete might say, wow, what was that? That was, I thought that was clearly our ball. And they go to the replay and, and the ref got it right. And I, I actually have to say, as someone that tends to rip on the officials more than most, I, I think they did a pretty good job in this one. Although, the one thing I wanted to mention, and we touched on this a little bit earlier, and this isn't necessarily the officials not doing their job, because I thought they got most of these, but one big issue for me was travels. The Wolves, my goodness, so many travels. And this this was really frustrating to watch. There's a lot of things to dislike when it comes to travels as far as the Wolves are concerned. It's just little piddly things. Carl Towns shift, uh, shuffling his feet before a jump shot or before maybe a post move. Uh, was really frustrating. Now, there were a number of times where, again, you hear Tom Thibodeau yelling, travel, travel, and, and he wasn't wrong. And it was a little frustrating to see because I felt like there were definitely a number of travels on the Celtics that weren't called. But again, as a whole, I, I felt like the refing was pretty good in this game, but the Wolves need to work on their traveling. One guy that has worked on that is Gorgie Jang. For a long time, whether it be last season to start this season, he would do that kind of mid-range fake where he'd go to drive it in and go for a dunk or a layup. And he would make that fake, and then he would shuffle his feet. And he has worked on that, and now I want to see the rest of the team work on that because there were a number, number of traveling calls in this one, and those are just silly turnovers. You've got to be smarter than that. You've got to be better with the basketball. On top of that, one thing that really hurt the Wolves in this one, we would be able to score a basket or we'd be able to get a stop, but we'd never seem to consistently get both. And that was one of the issues we saw in this one. The Wolves would get the game down to like six points or two points or five points. Or then it, or, and then all of a sudden, it's, we're down by eight. We're down by nine points again because we couldn't consistently get both stops and scores. That's one of the big things we talked about earlier is that guys like Marcus Morris or other Celtics players were able to hit big shots that would definitely take away from what the Wolves would try to build. And all of a sudden, you know, the crowd's out of the game, the momentum's going towards the Celtics, and it's, it's very ho-hum at that point. They, one thing that they really examined in this game was going to be mid-range shooting. Jason Tatum, they showed his shot, his shot chart and how all over the place it was last year. And in this game... You really saw it specifically. Jason Tatum was taking threes. He was getting to the hoop. He wasn't settling. You know who was settling? Andrew Wiggins. And so we need Wiggins to take a page out of Jason Tatum's book, continue to improve on the offensive end as far as not just the passing aspects of your offense, but shot selection is key. And we need Andrew Wiggins to get into the modern NBA, and he needs to focus on three-pointers and getting to the hoop. And until that changes, I really think that, Andrew Wiggins is going to have a low floor and his ceiling is much less than it should be because he's not able to be effective as much as he could be anyways. Again, in the second half, we talked about how in the first half there were so many missed shots, missed opportunities, open looks. We really saw that again in the second half. And that's part of the reason we talked about being able to get stops and scores. 
we'd get a stop, and then we'd play really good defense, and a guy would miss a wide-open jumper. Uh, specifically, there were a few times where both Tyus Jones and Robert Covington missed wide-open threes. And those two players, now again, I don't think anyone can complain about what Robert Covington has been able to do. Same with Tyus Jones. But I will say, for Tyus Jones, I would love it if he was a little more consistent from the three. Not, not just that, but just scoring in general. I don't always feel I can trust Tyus Jones to be able to get us points outside of assists, which he does a pretty good job of setting other players up. Early wide-open three uh, missed by Covington. We mentioned him. Think about this. So if he makes that shot, it's a two-point game. But he misses it, and Tatum runs down, and they hit a three. All of a sudden, it's an eight-point game. And I felt almost like that right there was the story that fit this entire game so well. It described pretty much exactly how this game uh, went uh, from start to finish. I felt like you got a pretty good sample size of how things went for both teams with that specific play. Now, in the fourth quarter, with 8.48 left, Rose makes a great pass to Jang for a circus and one. And then Jang makes the free throw, and all of a sudden we're tied. So it's not like the Wolves didn't go on runs. It's not like the Wolves didn't fight in this one because they for sure did. Here we are, and the game's tied with under nine minutes left. The Wolves had pretty good momentum at this point. I mean, when you're in a home game, you're in target center, you make a circus shot, the game's tied. You have all this momentum. The crowd is behind you. And unfortunately, you know they weren't really able to build off of that and get a lead, for example. So with 7.27, Covington misses a wide-open three again. Celtics run out, and they get a wide-open three. or Sorry, a wide-open two for a layup. Tyus, what happened was Robert Covington takes that three. Tyus' man breaks out, and Tyus misses it. And by the time he notices it, it's too late, and he can't get back there on defense. So, you know, awareness is going to be key for this team's success, offensively and defensively, and there were definitely times in this game where there were lapses. Checking back in with our... 2K19 simulation of the upcoming Rockets-Wolves game. Uh, 33-23, the Wolves are winning with four minutes left. So, so far, so good for the virtual Minnesota Timberwolves. After that, Tyus Jones, uh, you know, losing his man a little bit. As part of that, the Celtics went on a 9-0 run. All of a sudden, the Wolves are down 98-89 in this one, and that's I mean, you can't have that. You can't let runs like that happen. I get some games it's going to happen, but you need to be able to fight through that, and you need to be able to break up those runs and find a way to get some points, find a way to get stops consistently. And in this one, they weren't able to do that. As Jim Peterson mentioned, too many momentum plays for the Celtics. I think that's a good way to put it. I felt like any time there was a big momentum swing, the Wolves just couldn't right that ship or continue that momentum as far as their own momentum is concerned. That was definitely a struggle in this one. As we're getting down late in the game, Rocco gets a steal, gets an and one, and all of a sudden the game's 101-97 after the free throw, which he makes. Now, what I love about this is Robert Covington is clearly not okay with just going quietly into the night. Uh, a little luck, though, is is a big thing in, in sports. And in this instance, the Celtics had a little bit of that Irish luck because right after that, so it's 101-97, Celtics have the ball back, and the ball just happens to bounce right to one of their players, and boom, the Celtics score immediately. So all of a sudden, you go from, you're thinking, oh, seven points down to four points, but then the Celtics, it just takes one little lucky bounce, and that's that's where you just kind of, if you're a Wolves fan or if you're a Wolves player, obviously it gets to you a little bit, and you're just like frustrated, and that frustration really starts to boil over. Now, it's still a four-point game, though, with three minutes and 30 seconds to go. Rocco at the line, 
and he makes both his free throws. It was a silly foul by Kyrie Irving, kind of hits Rocco in the face, and all of a sudden now we're talking three minutes and 30 seconds left, and we're down by two. That's how close the Wolves were able to do this game, and we're able to find a way to, to keep it close most of the game. Unfortunately, we really lacked the hustle to beat the Celtics. And and after a no call, just like that, it's a six point game. You know, Derrick Rose was complaining. Other guys didn't hustle back on the play. And at times you really felt like the Celtics just wanted this one more. But how about this? So we're down six points at this point. Celtics are nineteen of nineteen at the line. The Wolves have six misses. So if you just make your free throws, it's a tie game at that point. A different ball game entirely. But once they get to this and they get to the line, he makes two more. It's an eight-point game, and that was pretty much the end of it. Wolves do end up losing this one, 118-109. to So, unfortunately, not the outcome you were hoping for. But, again, I felt like since the trade, this is one of the worst games the Wolves have played, and they still found a way to be competitive throughout. And that's going to be super important uh, going forward for this Timberwolves team. As the third quarter is almost winding down, by the way, in our simulation, it is 41-33. to 33. The Wolves are ahead. So we've got a, a little over about a quarter and a minute left in that simulation. All right, so taking a look at some of the uh, players in the game here. So we had, as a starting point, the Robert Covington game, which was pretty fantastic in this one. 7 of 7 from the line. He played 30, almost 39 minutes. Uh, two of seven from three, it's not great. He had a few wide open misses, and that's not typical. So part of the reason you're going to lose games is when stuff like that happens. But 17 points, 10 rebounds. So we talk about rebounding your position. Doesn't get much better than that for a small forward. Uh, but four of 11 shooting, not ideal. But the great thing about him is that he gets other statistics. Four steals. So you love seeing that statistic. So he finds other ways to contribute when he's not shooting well or when he's not as good on the offensive end, which is really solid to see. Derrick Rose continues his fantastic season. His defensive play, or his uh, most improved or six man of the year campaign: twenty six points, four assists, eleven of eighteen shooting, two of two from the line. That's what you love to see. Um, moving down the list a little bit here, what I like is Andrew Wiggins. You know, we can rip him a little bit in certain areas, but one area I really am impressed with: he's really started to shoot a better percentage from the free throw line at five of six in this one. So. Love to see that, but in 32 minutes, no blocks, no steals. He was a minus six in this one. Uh, looking at some of the other statistics, three assists and two rebounds. We need more than that. Now, not a lot necessarily, but I think it's fair to ask for four assists and closer to you know five or six rebounds a game. Considering how athletic he is, there's no excuse for him not to get at least five or six boards a game and a few more assists. Now, Part of the problem with his assist numbers is guys missing shots. Now, this was an issue when Shabazz Muhammad used to be here. Not that Shabazz was, you know, passing the rock here and there, but towards the end of his Minnesota Timberwolves career, uh, he was a guy that really started to embrace more so ball movement. And, and Andrew Wiggins doesn't really have any excuse. He's getting the ball quite a bit. I know some players that don't get the ball quite a bit or don't see themselves as part of the offense or part of the flow will sometimes look to force things or force the issue so they pass less. But in, in this instance, uh, I think Andrew Wiggins actually does a pretty good job of passing. He just needs to, you know, guys got to make some shots. And part of the problem you're into is that, you know, for example, in this game, he's got three assists. Well, if you watch back the game footage, you know, he probably only had five or six opportunities at, at assists. And when you have, when you're passing the ball that little, as far as setting guys up, if they don't all hit, 
you don't have much of an opportunity for missing. And otherwise, your, your number drops quite a bit. So that's one thing to watch for. Carl Towns, 20 points, 9 rebounds. He was not able to get another double-double. Uh, 6 of 15 is very much less than ideal. 2 of 6 from 3, again, not ideal. But 6 of 6 was nice to see from the free throw line. He did have two turnovers, but one block, one steal in 37 minutes. Not terrible. One of the worst on the team as far as plus-minus is concerned, though, at a minus 12. So not his best game, but not his worst either. Uh, we talked about Andrew Wiggins a little bit, but 17 points on 5 of 12 shooting. You're seeing a trend here. A lot of guys really shooting a poor percentage. Jeff Teague, uh, the man that likes to dribble around. Uh, one thing I'll mention here is, so nice to see him get 11 points, 6 assists, and 4 rebounds. But that's the stat line I want Andrew Wiggins to have. I want Andrew Wiggins to get you know, double-digit points, more than 11, of course. But you'd like to see him get 6 and 4 you know, respectively in assists, rebounds, or rebounds, assists in either scenario. Uh, five turnovers for Jeff Teague as well. Only a minus seven, but that's just not going to cut it in 33 minutes. We need more from him, and he needs to stop with the dribbling around. So there's lots of things to, uh, you know, dislike from this game, but as a whole, it could have been a lot worse. You have uh, eight points, eight rebounds from Taj Gibson. He definitely seemed frustrated a bit in this one. So that's kind of something to watch for going forward. His frustration levels definitely see, not with the team, but just whether it's himself, whether it's the refereeing, uh, that's definitely something to watch for. Jumping over to the other side of the basketball, of course, to the Boston Celtics, the the team that obviously won this one. Uh, a number of players uh, really stand out for you. How about Gordon Hayward? 30 points, 8 assists, 9 rebounds, 2 steals, a plus 14. Uh, a fantastic game, and it was very quiet. I go watch this game saying to myself, man, Gordon Hayward looks pretty good. I didn't think he looked this good. You know, they talk about how box score watching is a thing. In this instance, I had to box score watch. I did not see this statistic jumping off the page when I'm watching the game. Kyrie Irving, another solid game, 21 points, 9 assists, 3 rebounds. We talked about, when we're going through this game, how important Marcus Morris was. Uh, 5 of 10 from the field, 4 of 7 from 3, 2 of 2 at the line. He had 16 points and 3 rebounds. If someone told me I could have Marcus Morris off my bench, I'll tell you right now, I would not complain. The guy gets the job done. Obviously, we had no Jalen Brown, but as far as the other young players are concerned, Jason Tatum did not disappoint. 19 points, 9 rebounds, 2 assists. Much more of the kind of stat line you'd want to see from Andrew Wiggins, from Jason Tatum here. Uh, 3 of 9 from 3, which could have been a little better, but those are huge makes, and 2 of 2 at the line. Uh, surprisingly, though, Jason Tatum, a minus 3 in this one in 36 minutes. Actually, the only player... Actually, him and Marcus Morris both were minus three. Surprising considering they were actually able to play some pretty good basketball. How about uh, looking up and down the roster? Terry Rozier, seven, five, and five. You're getting pretty good production from so many different players. There's a lot to like about the Celtics in this one. Again, your final, 118-109 as the Celtics win this one. Taking a look at our simulation game against the Rockets, Wolves end up winning this one uh, pretty handedly, which was cool to see. So they, the final score here in this one, 59-41. to 41. So really a blowout for the Timberwolves. Some very impressive uh, statistics across the board. Now, again, 
These are shorter games, so you're not playing full quarters, but 12 points, three rebounds, three assists. If you extrapolate that for Andrew Wiggins, that is a fantastic game, and he's making that effort, virtual Andrew Wiggins is at least, at getting the other statistics, 10-5 and five for Carl Towns. Regardless, hopefully it's a good omen, and the Wolves do find a way to win this one against the Houston Rockets. So again, you've been listening to the Howl Radio, and we have much more in store for you to end this week and coming up in in further weeks. But this does it for this episode. And you can find us, if you missed part of this, you can obviously find us everywhere great podcasts are found, such as iTunes, Podient. We are now on Spotify and, of course, iTunes and et cetera. Again, you've been listening to The Howl Radio. And until next time, let me get a howl. Introducing the Roadcaster Pro Podcast Production Studio. The Roadcaster Pro is a true world-first all-in-one console solution for podcasters of all levels, featuring four microphone channels, Bluetooth, USB, and TRRS inputs, eight color-coded sound effect pads, four high-power headphone outputs, and more. The Roadcaster Pro is professional podcasting made easy. Available in stores this December, visit www.road.com for more information. Once again, that's www.rode.com.